On today's show, I'm going to look at what would happen if the Denver Nuggets repeat. What would be the fallout from that? And of course, what would be the fallout if they don't? Look at that as well. This is Locked On Nuggets. You are Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Matis, flying solo today as Matt Moore has the day off. He'll be joining you again on Friday with an interview from somebody around the Denver Nuggets universe. Um, we'll all look forward to that for the weekend show. Got Danny Biggs in the house, real sicko hours. Absolutely real sicko, sicko hours. Middle of the offseason. I think we are about as far away from basketball as you can get in either direction, although we do have the um, FIBA World Cup coming up this weekend. The time difference is a little bit of a bummer with those games coming on at like six in the morning, four in the morning, two in the morning. I don't know. I'll probably have to record these and like watch them in the mornings when I have my coffee and stuff, but I am looking forward to it. I mean, basketball is back. And even though our guys aren't playing, I am excited to kind of get to watch uh, some of those games. Six weeks away from media day, six weeks away from training camp. Um, So basketball, that's still a good, decent ways away, but you know, it's going to sneak up on you uh, quicker than you think. For today's show, I want to talk about the implications. If the Nuggets win, what changes for them? And then if they don't win, what changes from them? You know, as you're the reigning champ, you feel like this is the least amount of pressure I think a fan base and a team can sort of feel at this moment because you're fresh off of a championship. Everything's great. You feel like you have a long runway. How do things change, though, if they don't? And then more fun, how do things change if they do? In third segment, I'm open. If you guys have some questions in the side here uh, in the live chat, I'm really interested in hearing what those are. And maybe in third segment, I'll be able to address some of those questions. Let's start real quick with this hypothetical. What if the Denver Nuggets repeat? What if they win next year and it goes something similar to what how it went this year? 16 and four is pretty dominant, but let's say they go 16 and eight, you know, just kind of a regular championship run. Um, but they get a repeat, what would be different for them as a team? I think number one, unquestionably, the league would be theirs. They would run it in a way that they don't necessarily run it right now. Everybody's giving them their credit. Everybody's looking at them. They've gotten the accolades. They're getting a lot of respect, but I wouldn't say that the Nuggets run the league. I would say they won the last year and they've gained the respect of people. But if you win two in a row, you run the league. If you repeat, you run the league. The league is looking up at you and everybody looks at you as, hey, that's the top team that we have to unseat, that we have to. Um, The eyeballs multiply exponentially for the Denver Nuggets. Think about what a big gap in respect and just the way they're viewed from last year to now. And then it's exponential if they get two in a row. And then on top of that, the three-peat becomes a storyline. Three-peats in sports are very rare. Repeats happen somewhat often across sports. Three-peats are very rare, especially in the NBA. You're really just talking about Jordan's Bulls and Shaq's Lakers. That's it. You know, LeBron has not done it. You know, um, Steph Curry has not done it. Uh, A lot of great players have not done it. So if Denver gets two, the story, especially in Denver, about, okay, can this team jump into that category and become a three-peat is like a major storyline. 
some bad things happen and that like ticket prices will go up. I mean, we all know the bandwagon is fun. We're getting ready at DNVR. We're getting ready to make the list of all of our games that we're going to be doing takeovers, our party bus and big events around. And already the prices on those have gone up just because we get the tickets, you know, wholesale through the nuggets. Um, and the price that they're charging us for those events has gone way up. So you can already see, I don't think fans quite know how, just how different that's going to be. Um, but you'll start to see that. And not only that, it just will, there'll be more fanfare. I mean, the Nuggets being fifth in televised games, if they repeat, almost certainly that would even go up. It'd be like, hey, man, we got to show the team that is on this heater right now and prime to keep winning. Now, I know people are going to laugh, especially in the chat when I say this next one, but I think it's actually true. Free agents, I think, would look to Denver more so than ever before. This does sound like a broken record. We've said this before. We even said it coming into this year. But here's the difference between if you win one versus if you win two in a row. Winning two in a row solidifies you as all these things I said about the eyeballs multiplying and you being on, you know, all of this or that. If you're a free agent, you know that you're going to be seen in Denver if they get two in a row. Right now, you know that you would get seen to some degree, but it wouldn't be like if they were a team gunning for a three-peat with Jokic in his prime and Murray on the rise and all these different things. That's where you know, like, hey, man, you are going to have a camera in front of you and people are going to be wanting to hear from you all the time as a role player, as anything. So I actually do think Denver would have a few free agents that would look at. It's not going to be crazy. People are going to be taking massive discounts. But I do think the Eric Gordons of the world and players like that would probably be looking to Denver. Let's go to Jokic. I think he would solidify himself. In most people's mind, I mean, I'm surprised that Jokic has solidified himself as the best player in the league, um, a top 20 player. Like, that's pretty common for people to say. There's only a few people that don't have him, don't give him that legable after just the one win and the run that he had. So I'm a little surprised at how unanimous that became. But I think what would also become unanimous with two titles, especially back-to-back, is I think he would become unanimous, unanimously considered ahead of Dirk Nowitzki, Kevin Garnett, and several others who at this very minute, Giannis Antetokounmpo, several other players, probably even Kevin Durant, several other players who at this very moment kind of have similar claims, right, to, to be on his level. One title, one great run, what have you. Who is, and I was thinking about this, the least respected player, best player on a two-time champion throughout history? The only guy I can think of would be Hakeem Olajuwon and Isaiah Thomas. Those are probably the two least respected players, best players on a on a repeat champion. Kobe Bryant, revered. Shaquille O'Neal, people say most dominant. LeBron, uh, LeBron James, one of the best, if not the best ever. Michael Jordan, one of the best, if not the best ever. When you talk about two-time champs, the floor is like, Hakeem Olajuwon, Isaiah Thomas, that kind of team, bad boys, Pistons. They're thought of as this all-time great, which, by the way, the Nuggets would solidify themselves in the all-time best basketball team bracket. Now, they'd probably be a low seed. But when you start talking about the 96 Bulls, the 2001 Lakers, this or that, Denver would get entry. Right now, they don't get it. You don't put every team that's ever won a title. The 2019 Raptors are not in the, like, brackets. You know, who's the best team ever, whatever. The 2019 Rapids, uh, Raptors don't don't find their way into that. 2011 Mavs don't really find their way into that. The Nuggets being a two-time champ, I think you would start to see them 
people would put them in those discussions and they would probably lose. But it still would be great if you can imagine the Denver Nuggets having a team that's like in that conversation. It would be pretty awesome to have. And if you win two in a row, I think you get that. The Nuggets would join the Warriors, the Heat, and the Lakers as the only repeat champions of the 21st century. The Spurs have multiple titles, but never back-to-back. Why I think that is cool is right now we break the NBA up into the old era and the modern era. And the modern era usually is the 80s and on. I think before long, and maybe already right now, we're going to start breaking the NBA up into three eras. <laughs> There'll be like the um, the early days. This would be the Wilt Chamberlain all the way up until probably 1980. That, that'll be one era. You'll probably have 1980 to 2010 maybe will become another era. Maybe you'll say 2005, somewhere in there, and that'll become that middle era. And then the three-point revolution – which is really its own era. We're at the further this goes on, the more it's going to become the modern era. So if you start to separate the old era where you had the Celtics that won, you know, seven in a row, eight in a row, whatever, you had teams that had dynasties, you start to go to just this latest era and you would say, okay, the Heat with LeBron won two, the Warriors with Steph Curry and uh, Kevin Durant won two, not just the Steph Curry by himself, but Steph Curry and Kevin Durant won two. And if the Nuggets get that in an era, It'll be like, hey, not a lot of teams in that modern era had ever done it. I think Murray and Jokic would solidify themselves as an all-time duo, full stop. They're right there. They're in the conversation again. Stockton and Malone, Kobe and Shaq, this or that. If they get two back-to-back, I think they go right up into that conversation with the Kobe's and Shaq. Kobe and Shaq got three. If Jamal Murray and Jokic get two with three as a possibility, they're in that conversation, Magic and and Kareem. They start to go in that conversation of, hey, man, these are a a duo that is among the best we've ever seen in the history of the game. And I think Murray vaults into an entirely new paradigm as an individual. Think about how differently he is being rated amongst locally as amongst all-time Nuggets and then also nationally amongst like where does he fit in the conversation with guards. He's leapfrogged a ton of people. I think he started at 50 last year or something like on ESPN's rink. He's probably going to come in at like 20 or something this year, 25. He's climbed a lot, but if he gets two in a row – I honestly think he moves to near the front of the list, if not all the way to the front. Because right now he has two in a row great playoff runs in him, the bubble and then this one. And this one validated the bubble and it made it you know, important. But if he does it again, regardless of what he does in the regular season, if he has a third straight championship caliber playoff run, I just think that it's like throw any stat out. It doesn't matter. He is an all-time great when it matters. Full stop. Not just like right now. Not just he had a couple and he's running with you. Full stop, he's just going to be considered one of the all-time great playoff performers. He'll sign an extension that'll be massive in Denver's window of opportunity. I mean, right now there's a feel-good around the Nuggets, but if you get that back-to-back title, I think you sign extensions, and it's like, how long can they keep this window open? I think if they win this next one, Jokic and Murray likely become the number one and number two Nuggets of all time. Right now, Jokic is the number one Nugget of all time. I think that's indisputable. Murray is so hard to quantify. So hard to quantify where does he belong next to David Thompson, Alex English, Dan Issel, Carmelo Anthony even. Where does he fit there? He brought a championship, and that's really important. He's never been an all-star. So I think most people would probably slot him in somewhere between five and nine in the all-time Nuggets ratings, but he's just so impossible. You win two in a row, I honestly think it's Jokic one, Murray two, and you stop it there. Then you get to the David Thompsons and the Alex English and everybody else. 
Two championships just mean so much more than any individual accolade. One championship means so much more than than individual accolades, but two would mean more than I think just about all of them. It would mean Michael Malone will hold every record as a Nuggets head coach. He's already about one and a half seasons away from catching Doug Moe and George Carl both. They're both really close. If you win the title next year, obviously he's back for the following year and he's going to crush the all-time Nuggets record and become the winningest coach in Nuggets. He's already the winningest coach in playoff history. He'll be the winningest coach in regular season history as well. He will likely sign a massive extension. If you get that, he'll probably end up getting extended and being with the team for probably the entirety of the Jokic-Murray era. And then I think Murray, and then I think Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. probably become all-time Nuggets. I put this on Twitter the other day. Whose jerseys would get re- retired? I think Murray is pretty much a lock. Jokic is a lock already. I think Murray is pretty much a lock just because how meaningful that title was and how integral he was to them acquiring it. I do think he probably will help himself by just making one all-star team, but he'll do that in due time, and he'll eventually have his jersey retired. Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon, I think, is tough. You don't jersey retirements are tough because you don't want to take away numbers. You don't want to just like keep retiring guys for no reason. Denver already, I think, has been a little too loose in how they've given some guys their retirement. I mean, Dikembe Mutombo was a great player. I thought it was a little weird that they retired his jersey 25 years after he left the Nuggets. Um, you know, a little bit strange. I think it, by the way, easier to do when a guy wearing 55. If you look at the numbers Denver has retired, by the way, a lot of like unpopular numbers. So it's almost easier to be like, yeah, we'll go 44, no problem. So we'll, we'll retire that one. Nobody wants it anyway. Um, but I think Maria Jokic are a lock. Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon, would you retire their jerseys if they had the same performance now in a back to back championship era? Would you retire them? I don't know. Is Clay Thompson, he'll probably get his jersey retired, and he deserves it. Draymond Green, Steph Curry. Is there a fourth guy that you would throw in there for for the Warriors that you would say, oh, he's definitely going to get his jersey retired? I don't know. That's a tough one. Um, But if you get two in a row, it makes it a lot easier. But they definitely get um, respected as all-time nuggets. Like right now, if I because I'm doing this for a project we're doing next week where we're trying to list the all-time best nuggets um, in Nuggets history. And Murray, again, was hard. But MPJ and Aaron Gordon – they're not really considered in the top 10 nuggets of all time. But if you get two titles, I do think you start to look at that and weigh it and say, I don't know, man, how valuable is that to say a Dikembe Mutombo who has the individual accolades, but these guys made a bigger impact on a championship team. That'd be an interesting one. And then, as I said, they just would go into that all time bracket in terms of the teams. Like this would be a, uh, you know, you would just start seeing it all the time about those 2020s nuggets you know, those 90s Bulls, those 80s Lakers. And how cool would that be to be here, to hear your team mentioned in those in those conversations? So for me, that's sort of the narrative that's at stake if the Denver Nuggets are to uh, repeat as champions this year. And by the way, as time goes on, I feel better and better about their chances. You guys, Labor Day's coming up. You've also got football season coming up. I know with football, you want to barbecue, have some people over, get some burgers, get some steaks, get some of those jalapeno poppers that I like to get from uh king supers they make them for you they put them in the little package sometimes they're so hot you can't even eat them uh if you're going there why don't you use ibotta because ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and you get cash back it's that easy Right now, Ibotta, that's I-B-O-T-T-A, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Go to the Apple Store or Google Play Store 
and download the free Ibotta app and use promo code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use promo code LOCKED and it'll just put $5 in your account just for signing it up and looking at it. That's Ibotta. We'll be right back with more Locked On. Back here, segment two. Those poppers are so good. They're not hot. I'm just teasing. You do get them every now and then. They're actually not hot, and I could eat hot foods. But every now and then you do get one where it's like just one of them in the whole pack for some reason is like way hotter than the rest of them. Um, All right, now let's talk about if they don't win, which is obviously the more likely outcome is that they won't win the title this upcoming year. Well, first of all, their title mixes in with the rest of the previous five winners, the Raptors, the Lakers, the Bucks, the Warriors. I guess the Warriors stands out because they have these other ones, you know, in the previous decade. Uh, and then the Nuggets. And if another team wins, then it kind of just becomes like, how does one stand out from the other? Nobody was able to repeat. You got this string of years where it's a new champ every year. No repeats. They all kind of wash together. And that's a little bit of a bummer, right? I think we all want not just the title, which is satisfying as that is. The floor for Nuggets fans now is so high. The floor is nobody can take this title from you. The run happened in almost the perfect way, beating the Lakers, getting revenge against the Suns, making it look easy going 16-4, and Murray and Jokic being two of the best performers, and Jokic clearly being the best performer in all of of the playoffs. Like There's so many wins that can never be taken from you, so the floor is already automatically really high. But you can get greedy as a fan and say, yeah, but we want our title to stand out a little bit more. If you were to survey NBA fans right now and say, who is the best champion of the last five years? I would bet the Nuggets of 2023 come in on average third. I think most people would put one of those other two, one or two of those other teams ahead of them. Not necessarily because I agree with it, but because those things are often a popularity contest. But if you win two in a row, you do stand out from the crowd. And if you don't do it this year, you kind of blend in. You guys will think this one next one's a hot take. If they lose this year, I think Jokic will lose his title as best player in the NBA just as quickly as he earned it. Now, again, I'm not saying it's accurate. Jokic, in my opinion, has been the best player in the NBA for three seasons. But it wasn't until this playoff run that everybody kind of unanimously said, oh, that's the top dog. And you heard it from people that even, you know, I was a big doubter for a long time or whatever, and then they converted from this playoff run. But that just shows you that people are fickle. And if you get a title run next year from another team, I suspect people will start to look to the Giannis and start to look to the Luka and start to say, well, is Jokic actually better? They only had that one, and then they lost this year. I just think as quickly as he got labeled it, it'll be taken from him, and they'll give it to somebody else. I don't think the team will make any rash decisions if they don't win this year. But I do think that it would put them on the clock to make you know big, big changes the following year. What do I mean by that? Michael Malone right now can do no wrong. Wins the title, perfect coaching job, start to finish. Started this team out eight years ago, got him to this point. Everybody seems to like him on the team, everything else. But it, And right now, no, I don't think anybody's considering, like, do they need to move on? It's like not even a thought. But if you lose next year, I don't think anybody makes a decision like, okay, now he lost, we got to get him out of there. But I do think it's one of those things where you look at and say, okay, where are we at with Malone? Are we sure? And just to give you an example of this, Coach Budenholzer won a championship two years ago. He's fired now. So he lasted two seasons. And this is what I'm saying about with with the Nuggets. 
If Malone doesn't win next year, it'll be one year. I don't think they'll fire him. But if then going into that next season, it will be a thing of like, well, if he doesn't, if the team looks like they peaked in 2023 and haven't gone back, you need new life. And, and so then Malone goes on the hot seat or, you know, so then he's like under the microscope. It's crazy how quickly things change in the NBA to go from right now, Michael Malone could do no wrong, but 365 days from now, he might be on like a, a somewhat of a hot seat. I think same goes for players like Michael Porter and even Aaron Gordon. I don't think Denver would trade them next year if they lost. But I do think that it opens up the following year to, well, let's see how it plays out. We need a little bit more from these guys. Is there something else we could do? The urgency rises. Right now, again, you just don't feel any urgency because this team looks like they have a forever window and they're on top of the world and they're the best team in 16 and four. But if you lose next year, there is just this sense of, all right, Yoke's 28 going on 29. How much longer do we have this window of opportunity? Like we, you just start to feel the clock ticking in a ways where if you win next year, you don't feel that almost at all. And then you have a question here that I think is interesting. You look at the old guard of the NBA. If it's the Warriors that were to win, the Lakers or the Clippers, you would say, okay, that's the old guard. What's the staying power of those teams? Maybe they could keep winning, but it would feel to me at least like a bit of a one-off. If one of those three teams won and Denver still probably has their status as top contenders. If it's the middle guard, this would be teams like the Milwaukee Bucks, the Phoenix Suns, the Miami Heat, the 76ers. These are teams that have a mix of old and young players. I don't think they would totally feel like if the Bucs won next year, I don't know that we would say, oh, the Bucs are going to win a bunch in a row. But it would be a team that sort of feels like they're in Denver's wheelhouse taking the throne and saying, okay, now they've got a second one. Or the Phoenix Suns, where they're not necessarily going away in a year, but they're also not climbing. But it still would feel like they took a title that Denver could have taken. They're on an equal plane to Denver in terms of where they're at and their um, – you know, maybe less for so for the Suns, certainly for the Bucks, because because Giannis is twenty eight. You know, he's not that old. They would they would feel like that middle guard. But if it was a new era team, if it was say the Celtics or somehow the Mavs or even the Cavaliers or a team like that, I do think that there would be a little bit of a taking from Denver. That you know, especially if it's Boston. Boston is younger than Denver. At least their two stars are younger than Denver's two stars. So it would feel a little bit like a younger team coming in, which is something Denver has not dealt with so far. Denver has been the younger team coming up. Now they're the established team that's kind of right in their prime. They have not been passed by a younger team. You know, Memphis Grizzlies, New Orleans Pelicans, those are teams that have been chasing them, Minnesota Timberwolves even to some degree, chasing them, and they haven't passed them. So if one of those teams were to win the title, it would, for the first time of the Jokic era, feel like a younger team had gone around them. And I think that would be really weird. I don't think people, they are just, I know this from following like LeBron's career and Kobe's career and even Jordan's career, that there's always these younger teams that are punching up at the establishment. And then there's also like your equals that you're going up against in, you know, age wise. But there is a real dynamic for when a younger team surpasses you. This happened with the Warriors, by the way, Steph Curry, younger than LeBron and you know, when he took it, that was like a really weird thing. That was different for me than when Dirk beat LeBron or the Spurs beat LeBron. Because again, that was like an older player or an equal era player, really older, older era players and teams beating him. And that was like, okay, he has more climbing to do. But when the Warriors came in, it was completely different. That was like, LeBron, you're no longer, not only are you no longer the best, 
a younger up-and-comer has now taken your throne. And by the way, the Warriors didn't give it back, really. I know they did in 2016, then won again in 2017 and 18. It's just a weird dynamic. You don't want that to happen with Yoke because it feels a little bit strange. So to me, Denver's floor as a fan base this year is pretty high, just that I don't think it'll be that emotionally strenuous. But it is one of those things where the urgency will pick back up if they don't get it done this year and repeat, which is obviously the likely outcome. All right, let's take another break. Let me see if you have any questions here. I'm going to kind of scroll through the chat here. And on the other side, I'll try to answer a couple of these. Right here, Dragonton says, for a repeat, do Jamal and Porter have to up their game? This is an interesting question that I've been thinking about a lot. Not the specific, like, about Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., but just does Denver need to be better next year than they were this year? And again, Denver is hard to quantify because in the regular season, they were somewhat unimpressive. They were good. They were a one seed, but they were a 54-win one seed. That's pretty low for usually it takes a lot more than that. So, But in the playoffs, they were so dominant. They just looked like... (laughs) <laughs> you hate to say it, but they really did have a switch. They flipped a switch and then they look like they were unbelievable. So does Jamal, first of all, does Jamal need to up his game from what we saw in the playoffs? I don't think so. He needs to repeat that. Now, can he up his game? Absolutely. And that's exciting. I mean, Murray's ceiling is still really high and I'm curious to see just how high he can go with it, but does he need to up it? I don't know. I think he probably just needs to replicate it. He had a 30 point triple double in the finals. You know, he had some monster games, uh, 40 piece. He has just some monster games in the playoffs. Um, and I think if he brings that and Jokic brings what he brought this year, you know, it works with Michael Porter, you know, Michael Porter, he's such a weird one too, because obviously in the finals, they win four to one and he didn't make his shots. So does he need to be better? I don't, they can prove they can just win with him as the threat of the shooter, but I suspect that Porter will be better. I suspect that Murray will be better. Um, but I do think that if they run it back in the playoffs to the level that they played, Denver has a great chance of winning again. But that's a really good question. Are Jamal and Dragonton only one asking uh, questions today? Are Jamal and Porter complimentary when together? TBD. A lot of people, myself included, when we talk about Porter in this upcoming year, we talk about chemistry with Jokic, right? Like what if they develop a two-man game? I think their chemistry is actually pretty good. And some of this is Porter has to get a little healthier and expand his handle and pick and roll game and stuff like that to work with him. But the bigger thing is really the Murray-Porter chemistry, which I don't think is great. Can those two guys develop chemistry? They are complementary just in that a great six foot 10 three-point shooter is complementary of every player because he spaces the court. Is Murray complimentary of Porter? I don't know that that I, I don't know that I necessarily feel that way just yet. I do feel like you can build in a couple two-man actions with them. Most of it, this is just rub screens to get the point guard switched out onto Michael Porter and a, a power forward or small forward switched out onto Murray. But right now, I think that's one area where they can both grow without growing individually. It's just their chemistry is there's more that those two guys can add. Um, and I think there definitely is. Let's see what else we got. Somebody says, uh, just got kicked off a Laker live stream. (laughs) That's kind of funny. Oh, I love this one from William Mitchell. When I was talking about Michael Malone, personal experience, people want Steve Kerr's head despite him being a Hall of Fame coach. 
I'm telling you, I'm good friends with some Warriors fans who always, always, always are saying like Steve Kerr's an anchor on this team. And like, look, I never correct them because when you're a fan, I know what it's like to be into that much of the minutia of a team. And I know, you know, all those layers and coaches aren't perfect. And then you see the flaws, but it gives me great perspective when I see those things. I think Kerr is a fantastic coach. I think he's a fantastic coach. And I think he's a large reason of why the Warriors won all of the titles that they won. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't think you could have just said, as great as that team is, give them anybody. I remember when Steve Kerr went there. and I, Like, his first year, I remember in the preseason watching them and thinking this team is completely different in how they run their offense, how much movement there is. Not every coach would have done that. I mean, it's taken the same way Jokic ball is taken for granted. What the Warriors play was not a style of basketball that anyone else was playing, and yet it got – and it's not a style they were playing before he arrived. So you're right, man. This is how things work. Who do you think uh, – this one comes from Jay. He says, who do you think poses the biggest legitimate threat to Denver repeating? This is tough. I'll say the Celtics because the Celtics, I think, have some like a well more well-rounded roster and they have some pieces in their front court that are a little tough. The Suns are a good team, but I just look at them and I go, I think it's going to go exactly how it went last year. Bradley Beal can only take shots away from Devin Booker. I don't see it really adding more to them. Um, and then you saw how Denver handled all the other teams in the West. Um, the Celtics though, they have players that can guard Jokic somewhat well. Robert Williams and Al Horford are are really good interior defenders. They've got long wings that I think is part of what makes it hard on Jokic is how much can you crowd the passing lanes? Because as great of a passer as Jokic is, when you have a lot of collective length, it still like shortens the windows and the rotation times and all those kinds of things. And then the Porzingis factor, not that I think it's like elite, but you know, it is a stretch option that makes it hard for Jokic to have to cover in space. So I, I guess at this very moment, I'll say the Boston Celtics. But that bodes well for Denver, doesn't it? Like, I'm not that worried about the Celtics. Um, Hurricane Teabag says, what do you think changed having all the national NBA media in Denver? Did you learn anything having them all in town? Personally, I learned that I should have, okay, farted in Chris Mannix uh, more, more often. Okay, interesting one. Um you know, the thing about it is I think people enjoyed coming out here, the ones that did. A lot of people didn't come out here. A lot of people didn't, like, I was surprised. I think I talked about this, but when Media Day happened for the finals, I was surprised at how many people I didn't recognize and how many people I thought would be here didn't end up coming out for whatever reason. But I will say that there was a huge respect factor, and you guys all saw this. The media people, the, the more unbiased media people all got converted to the Church of Jokic and the Church of the Nuggets, so... um that was one thing that definitely happened with the media. And if they win again, or even if they just get off to a great start this year, I think that the, we were going to get a, um, you guys will be blown away at how much people are just like pro nuggets. This is people are cowards. Here's the thing you have to understand. People are cowards like analysts. And I'll even include myself in this. People see trends and they just expect it to continue. So Denver wins a title and then they get off to a hot start. People's default setting is going to be, well, this will keep going. This will the safe bet is that the status quo takes over. And then all of a sudden you're gonna have everybody picking the nuggets and you're gonna your head's gonna spin going, oh my God, how is Denver the favorite by everybody? It's just how it works, man. And think about last year, Denver was discounted because they'd never done done it before. And then teams like the Warriors and you know, Lakers even were like, oh, I think they'll do it. Why? Because they had seen it before. And so it was easier for them to draw. And now people have seen Denver do it and dominate, and they're gonna pick Denver. Um, 
I hate how people rewrite history with the 2000 Nuggets. If they needed 58 or 59, they would have gotten them. Okay, 58 wins. Say 58. That's still not that many for a one seed. Like, that's about average for a one seed. It's not, my whole point was that it wasn't like a 65 win total like we've seen from some of the all time great teams. That was the only, it's not that it was unimpressive. Of course, they shut it down. They easily could have gotten a couple more wins. Um, was there any crazier story than Charles Barkley becoming a Denver favorite? Honestly, not really. Because Charles Barkley, to me, that wasn't that big of a story. For one, Charles picks everyone. If you ever notice, Charles Barkley changes his answer for who's going to win it like 12 times a year. It's kind of his shtick. Um, but also, he's liked Jokic, man. He's a big. Like, bigs like Jokic. And so he was one of the guys that early on saw what he saw. What is Denver's best option for getting a good backup center for Jokic? I To me, this is one thing that I think the fan base – always is more interested than I am. I like the idea of Zignaji. If he can, I mean, the idea of him, I don't know if he can do it, but I, I, to me, he's a fine backup center option. We all loved, I think we had Mason Plumlee and everybody loved him, but Mason Plumlee is too expensive for this iteration of the Nuggets, a player of his caliber even. I just don't think it's that important to have a true backup center. Um, your playoff lineups aren't going to include them. And if you can get to a point where your regular season lineups don't necessarily need it, then you're really cooking with gas. Does Jokic have a shot at a third MVP? I think he's the favorite. He's the betting favorite on FanDuel, and he is. Um, there's no narrative against him. I think he has a great chance at winning an MVP next year. I'm not saying he'll do it for sure, but we know he's going to be dominant. He's an un unbelievable player, so he'll be in the conversation, and there'll be no reason to go against him, unlike years past where it was, well, he's never won in the playoffs before. He's never won a title. Are we sure? Even you know over the two years he won, those were things people said. This year, there'll be nothing you can say about him that would discount what your eyes tell you, which is that this guy is the most valuable player in the league. How many more years does the old guard have left? Here's the thing, guys. If you would have told me in 2016 that LeBron will still be in a conference finals in seven years, I'd have been like, I don't know, man. I thought he was on the end of like his last legs then. I have no idea when LeBron's completely done. I think he's definitely over the hill, but... If you told me he's still playing in four years on like a contending team as a major impact piece, I'd, I would bet against it. But at this point, man, I don't know. I, I just don't know. Same goes for Steph Curry. I predict one of those two teams, Warriors or Lakers, are going to completely fall off this year. But every time I say that, they keep coming back. How much Andre says, how much of an impact with the young guys have uh, Brown, Watson, Zeke, and the new drafted players? How much of an impact? How much of an impact will they make, I wonder? Christian Brown's going to play an enormous amount of minutes. I think he'll make a big impact. Peyton Watson's going to have a huge opportunity, and he'll either make a great positive or negative impact. Same goes for Zeke, TBD. So I don't know. Um, how can we draft so we are successful given the new CBA? Well, I think second-round picks are going to be important. Um, and then the one thing I've said, I've said this before, but you're kind of locked into Jokic and Murray as your core, and that's the hard part. Aaron Gordon, you still have for several years. Drafting role players is, I think, easier than drafting stars. And Denver is in the position where they're not looking for superstar talent. They're looking for Christian Browns. And a lot of teams are passing on Christian Browns in the 20s just because they're hoping they can like get out of purgatory and get a star. So Denver, I think, just continuing to draft that type of player. Um, and then one other thing I'll say is, Smart, high IQ players have a great chance of fitting of working out in Denver because playing with Jokic, high IQ is rewarded. So players like Hunter Thompson, even a Jalen Pickett, certainly a Christian Brown, 
those guys I think wouldn't like Christian Brown. I don't know if he would be a major impact like he is on Denver everywhere. I do think he would play on any team because he does something that's really important, which is defend with size. But I don't know that I would be as bullish on him on every team as I am on him in Denver because I just think he fits so seamlessly into what Denver does and that he'll eventually be a starting shooting guard. I'll get, let's see, I'll get one or two more. Oh, I like this one. Do you see any past players like Monte Morris coming back to Denver? Not Monte Morris. I know a lot of people have been saying Bruce Brown's coming back in 2025. I don't see it. I mean, I just think he's going to be able to make too much money um, for him to do that. Who else is there that you could see coming back? Not Malik Beasley or Jared Vanderbilt. Not Juancho Hernan Gomez. Um, not Bones Highland. You know what? I'm not so sure there is a player that I could see coming back that's not with the Nuggets currently, that was with the Nuggets during this run. I don't know if there is. Um, One more. Nope, That's that looks like it does it. Um, All right, guys, that does it for today. A couple more days. Oh, Gary Harris. You know what? Actually, there is one. Gary Harris. I'll say this. I could see Gary Harris coming back. Not now. Where is Gary Harris in two years? Is he still hanging on to the league, this or that? I don't know. Could I see him coming in as like a um, Justin Holiday? Absolutely. The team seems to like him. The players like him. And can he just be a good locker room and workout guy and that kind of stuff? And then a guy that you trust can fit into the system. I definitely could see that with a player. I think Gary Harris would be the one um, that I could see that with. I'm trying to think if there's any others that I've forgotten you know, like an Austin Rivers or something like that. I mean, maybe I could see like an Austin Rivers doing one last gasp, you know, here in Denver or something like that. And it'd be great. Jeff. Yeah, I could see Jeff. Honestly, he goes down there to Houston and does his thing and then comes to Denver in one year for one last hurrah. I guess I could see him as well. Again, not as a guy that's going to play, but um, just a little bit. Did I say Hunter Thompson? I say that every time. Maybe Hunter Tyson. All right, guys, that does it for today. Hope you enjoyed it. Matt Moore will be back with you at the end of the week. We'll see you guys then.